Hello everyone, I'm Kyle. And I'm Glory. And, and we, we are The Empty. Welcome to episode two. If you're here, you probably also have an empty hole in your heart that weekly episodes of Supernatural took up for the last 15 years, and you made it through our first episode. We'd like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sticking with us. We're new to this whole podcasting thing, and we're glad to have you along for the ride while we figure it all out. Alright, you know the drill. There will be spoilers, so if you haven't watched episode 2 and 3, pause the podcast, shut down Spotify, and watch them right now. So let's step on the gas and drive right into episode 2, Wendigo. Campers are terrorized by the bloodthirsty Wendigo. Sam and Dean follow the coordinates left in their father's journal and land in the middle of the woods where they investigate the disappearance of several campers. The two brothers soon learn that they are dealing with a Wendigo, a creature made famous in Native American legends. A Wendigo is a former human whose cannibalism has transformed him into a creature with superhuman strength and speed that feasts on human flesh. So, that was quite the episode, huh? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, just from the creature itself, which, for my sake, because of where I live, I will be referring to that creature as the Winnebago. Uh, Glory might continue referring to it as the actual creature. That is her prerogative. (laughs) I ain't scared. But yeah, so why don't we talk a little bit about how the show opened. About the people in the tent and everything. Okay, so this is, like, honestly, watching back, I didn't catch this on the first go-round, and maybe it's just because I'm watching it, like, later. I, even though I rewatched the entire show, like, mm, probably, like, five or six months ago, somewhere around the beginning of the year, and um, I didn't really catch it, but basically, we open up on these dudes in the woods, they're in their tent chilling, but they're playing a whole-ass Nintendo DS, like, the OG Nintendo DS the gray one that's, like, super thick and that you always break the little joints on the screen. I know anyone that's around my age will understand <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. The but, like, is, they're just, like... Too, because my <laughs> sister broke mine. No. Uh, but, yeah, they're just... These mans are in the woods on this hiking trip, and instead of enjoying nature or sitting by the campfire, they're playing these fucking Nintendo DSs <laughs> and just kind of chilling. And then... You know, obviously, this is supernatural. We can't have a good, wholesome time in the woods. It never ends never. well for, never for our... <laughs> never ends well for our characters. So, um, yeah, they're chilling in the tent, and then suddenly we see a shadow walk by the tent. <laughs> Was that before or after the guy went to the bathroom? Oh, yeah, so this guy is like, gotta pee, which also never ends well in any sort of horror nope. situation. Never split up, never go to the bathroom, never have sex. Those are the rules. You can't do it unless you want to die. <laughs> but he did do good on not going too far away from the campsite. He did just walk a few feet and then pee on a tree. He could have yeah, went a lot farther, which is the big no-no in any horror situation. The world is your bathroom. Keep that in mind. <laughs> but alas, despite despite his discretion while peeing. Our two two dudes in the woods uh, don't ever get back to playing their Nintendo DS because something in the woods attacks them. Yes, something. We we don't know what it is at this point, and uh, 
I believe the first the guy that went to the bathroom first, he got killed. We don't ever see him again. But then the second guy and the third guy, they get dragged off to Never Neverland. But then it cuts to <clears throat> uh, Sam being at Jessica's grave. He decides to place flowers on her on her grave, like the good boyfriend he was. Yeah, and, and he's uh, he's apologizing to her. Like he he he's really blaming himself. And this is like the first time that we see like him acknowledging like this is my fault my my life and my past has caused Jessica to die because you know it's literally the ghosts of his past coming back to um to haunt his present life and unfortunately killed her in the same way that his mom got killed so it's um where we really see this and it will spiral throughout the first few seasons honestly yeah and as he's placing those flowers on her grave all of a sudden a hand jumps out and just grabs onto him, but because it's supernatural and there's always twists and turns, Sam wakes up and it's just a dream. Just a creepy-ass dream. <laughs> then the brothers have a conversation, as they always do. Always gotta have the bro moments. Uh, this is where we see, too, and this this will be a theme throughout the entire episode, really, like, Sam is like, I just, I want to find the thing that killed Jessica, and of course he does, because it's his girlfriend, like, he loved her, and... Um, Dean, on the other hand, is just like, no, 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 we gotta, we gotta do dad's side quest. This is what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of a point of contention with the brothers. All right, so the boys roll up, you know, the closest, the closest civilization to their dad's coordinates that they have. They're at the ranger station, um, and they kind of start to figure out the mystery here um they talk to ranger wilkinson who lets them know you know uh, a couple dudes are are camping backcountry they had a permit they're not supposed to be back for a few days but uh their sister Haley is freaking out and is insisting that something is wrong because she hasn't talked to her brother in three days and he would check in daily with his uh satellite phone so she is definitely right to be worried but as we all know, cops apparently know your uh, family better than you do. Yeah, obviously. It's definitely the same energy as when, you know, people go to file a missing persons report and then they insist that, you know, they're 17, they're just a runaway, even though you know that they would never miss yeah. a family event or skip work or a runaway. So, same vibes. Not good. Um, so, they... They talk to Haley and um, they find out that she's been receiving like kind of these like video diaries uh, entries from her brother every day. It's kind of just like a recap of what's going on and to check in. And, you know, they don't want to freak her out, but they see something in the video. And so they have her pass those along. And then they find out that there's something extremely fast that's flitting by the edge of the tent in his last log. And, um, uh, when they when they slow it down, it only takes up three frames. So obviously this thing is clipping, and that really makes them wonder what they're dealing with. Yeah, that creature is incredibly fast, especially if it's going uh, across the thing in just three frames. That is just it's probably a fraction of a second. I I don't know how long a frame is, but can't imagine it being too long. I'm gonna jump back a little bit farther and talk about uh, when Sam and Dean introduce themselves to Haley. Uh, they pretended to be ra rangers, and uh, Dean gave the name of Samuel Cole, who, which could be a reference to something later on in the future, so spoiler alert, um, 
that Samuel Colt is the guy that made the the famous Colt that they will be using later on in the show to hunt said creatures. But that could be a possible little conspiracy that the uh, writers put in just to give for Ree Rogers. Yeah, it's a really good catch. I definitely did not notice that on my first watch through, but yeah, I caught it too. It's um, it's kind of you know, it sounds like a generic vanilla name, but if you know kind of what's to come in the next few seasons and really the whole show, it's uh, <laughs> it's a big deal. Up to season end of season five, I think is when this still takes place too, which is really interesting. So after talking with Haley, um, they go to talk to the only survivor that they know of, of these attacks. You know, everyone in the area, including Ranger Wilkinson, is just like, you know, there's wild animals, it's dangerous, things like that. But obviously we have our suspicions that it's something otherworldly. Um. <laughs> Especially when it's every 23 years that people go missing, like, that. that's not normal. That's not yeah, fair. Yeah, it's, it's casual. There's not just like an extra hangry bear that shows up on a, on a clock like that. <laughs> <laughs> As much as they'd like to believe. So, um, they go to talk to him and they hear his story and like, we'll see, like, we'll see with, you know, countless, countless people throughout the series. Um, he doesn't want to tell them. He thinks that they'll think he's crazy because obviously he doesn't know that they do this for a living and they're used to this kind of crazy um, but it's something that's scarred him for life mentally and physically, as we find out when he shows that he has claw marks from the Wendigo on his body. Because uh, the attack happened, like, the creatures are extremely smart. They are able to uh, unlock doors, which is how they got into the cabin, even though it was, I believe it was locked. Yep. And it just slaughtered his family and for some reason left him alive. And for some reason, we kind of learn a little bit later, he said that he was um, sleeping in front of the campfire. And then we learn later when Sam and Dean narrow it down to being a Wendigo that it does not like fire. So that could be that could be a reason why. So the, the after after talking to the survivor, their main theories are that it could be maybe a skinwalker or a black dog. Um, it's something corporeal for sure, which is what they say, um, and that means that they can kill it. So they kind of set off. Um, they know that Haley is going out on kind of a rescue mission. She's hired a guide to go out, and obviously with the with the them knowing that it's a supernatural being that's out in the woods, they don't want them to go out there but if she's gonna go out and do it anyways they might as well go along to protect them so after uh they the brothers talk about wanting to keep Haley and them out of the woods it does cut to Haley's brother still being alive but he's in a pretty rough predicament <laughs> yeah he's just kind of casually just being strung up from the ceiling with his friend good old buddy a little bit farther down who does not make it. He gets his guts ripped out and eaten by the creature. We don't see it. We just hear it. It's such a lovely sound. Yeah, I'm sure being fully artists for uh, Supernatural or any other show is gotta be a blast. It's gotta be. <laughs> oh, yeah. But as we learn later, um, this creature... It only it only comes out of hibernation every so often, and it likes to savor its food and uh, kind of ration it out. So that's why they're leaving uh, some people alive. 
Yeah, because this way it can feed during the day and then go out hunting again during the night. So Tommy's just lucky that, well, quote-unquote lucky, that he wasn't the one that got eaten first. As lucky as you can be having been kidnapped by a creepy little bitch. <laughs> yeah, not little. They're not little. No. But yeah, so then uh, they start heading out and... I think I think an important scene here is, you know, they're heading out and Sam and Dean, again, are, you know, struggle busing with their disguises. Um, they don't even bother to put on hiking gear. Um, so Haley's like, you didn't even bring anything with you. You didn't bring rations. You're not wearing hiking boots or whatever. Like, you are woefully unprepared. Um, so she starts to question them. She's like, you're not, there's no way that you're rangers like this. You didn't even bring rations. And then Dean, foreshadowing for later, is like, uh, yeah, I did. I brought this giant-ass party pack of M&M's. Duh. Which is probably the most Dean thing to come out of this episode. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I guess not the most because he does hit on her. Well, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Don't worry, Dean. Your man is coming soon. Four seasons. <laughs> um... So, yeah, um, they, they right now, you know, as they're setting out, they, they still don't really know for sure what this thing is. They know it's, you know, not a ghost. It's something corporeal that, you know, they can see and they can fight. But they don't really know for sure what it is until it uh, kind of plays its first trick or trap on them where it throws a voice that sounds human-like, which as Kyle well, will get into Tommy's later. Voice, I believe. Yeah, exactly. So they can they can mimic voices and um, they try to split them up essentially by doing this. And then Sam is like, Dean, look at the journal. This is what this thing is like. We absolutely know it's this. Even though they're not typically found in the area that they are. No, they're this is the last spot they would probably be. They're definitely more northern cold bound creatures. And it's also in summer, I think. Mm-hmm. No, actually, no. It's it's in October. They just had Halloween. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's fall. Yeah, so then they figure out what it is, and they want to try and get everybody out of there because it's not safe that you're in the woods with this creature that is the perfect hunter, or as they call it, a damn near perfect hunter. Yeah, and there's no way that all of... They can keep all of the normies with them safe, especially... The uh, guide that Haley hired, who seems to be, like, the macho man that thinks he can take on anything. Which we soon learn that he can't, and he gets strung up and deaded. (laughs) And deaded. Yeah, so before uh, Roy, who is the guy, gets killed, uh, they set up a little safety area for them with Anasazi symbols uh, that that won't allow the Winnebago to get inside. Uh, with their camp. And they also set up a big old fire. Yes, because as we soon learned, they, they really hate fire. Or as we probably already have learned. Yeah, so as as they're kind of waiting for... um, As they're kind of waiting for the time to actually track this thing down, um, we get this aside with Sam and Dean. And Sam is insistent, like, Dad isn't here. Dad was never here. There's no way... 
Um, and Dean is saying, you know, dad gave us a mission. He gave us these coordinates. I intend to follow out. Like we have to save these people. We can stop this from happening. And Sam, again, as we saw earlier, is just so focused on finding Jess's killer. And, um, because it's the same thing that killed Mary, they, he, he just wants to find dad like as soon as possible. He doesn't care about these, these side quests that he's sending, sending the boys on. Um, and, Dean, this is where we get one of the most iconic lines of the show again. Um, a lot of them really early, but this is another one that's ends up being in almost every single episode preview from here on out. Um, he says, saving people, hunting things, the family business. So yeah, after we get this iconic line, you know, we kind of we kind of understand how, you know, Dean Dean is gonna follow dad's orders at all times, and we've uh We'll see this throughout the season. If you've seen Supernatural, you'll you understand now. But we'll um we'll see Dean's daddy issues come out in full force later. But um Dean Dean intends to do the job that Dad gave them with uh, leaving these coordinates in the journal, and um, Sam just wants to find Dad so he can get revenge for Jess. Yeah, I think a lot of people end up calling Dean uh, Daddy's Little Soldier. I think that's something that comes yep. up quite a few times. I think a few times from Sam when he was pissed at him, but... So, yeah, we find out pretty much that Dean copes with what his life is by, quote, killing as many evil sons of bitches as they can. Um, so, yeah, their family is pretty screwed up, um, and Dean is trying to, you know, atone for that a little bit by, by saving people. Yeah, so after this conversation, I believe this is when, where the creature comes back out, and then uh, Roy chases after it, and then they, well, he gets deaded, and then I believe the boys go after him, and they follow the claw prints, but then they realize that they're too noticeable, and that's when we find Roy strung up in a tree with his neck broken, because he then falls. Clearly a trap. Because shortly after that is when uh, Dean and Haley they get they get snatched by this creature. And remember those, that bag of M and M's we talked about in the beginning? Yeah. Uh, Dean pulls a little Hansel and Gretel and just drops them as they're being dragged. And Sam and Haley's little brother, I can't remember his name, they follow them into the mine. Ben, ben. Has there's a lot of mm-hmm. Bens. I know, too many. Uh, but they follow the, that trail, and then they eventually stumble upon into the mine, fall down, and find Haley and Dean, and eventually Tommy. And then from then on out, it's pretty much a race to get them out of there before, you know, the thing comes back. But on the bright side of it being in that mine, they did find flare guns, which is fire, uh, which they then are able to shoot at the creature eventually killing it yeah they kill the creature and then they make it out of the woods and then uh they give the report to the police saying that it was a big 800 900 pound grizzly bear that killed roy (laughs) and it's not what happened but that is not at all but that is very close to the end of the episode but before that ends dean actually lets sam drive baby which it doesn't happen often 
It's a huge deal for him. It's like a trust thing. Like that car means life's him. But I guess like right now, it's still kind of John's car. That is you true. Because he's still he's still around. Unfortunately. But- <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. This is um this is a John Winchester hate podcast. If you don't like it, get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like John Winchester so much that I follow a John Winchester hate bot on my personal Twitter. It is <laughs> one of my favorite things. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great it's a great brother moment. Like regardless, um, you know that car means everything to Dean, and so letting Sam drive really shows the level of trust that he has in him. Which is big, especially since they haven't talked in two years. So it's just, I think Dean probably did it just to show him that, like, hey, I still love you even if we don't agree on everything. Exactly. Do you have any last comments for episode two before we dive into the lore? Nah. Alright. So we are now going to jump into the real lore compared to supernatural lore. But as there are many versions of this lore, I have done my best to try and get this as accurate as possible. The tale of the Winnebago is a tale that originates from the folklore of the First Nations. The First Nations are tribes of Canadian indigenous people who are not the Métis or the Inuit. The creature's name loosely translates to the evil spirit that devours mankind, according to allstatsinteresting.com. According to the First Nations legend, the Winnebago is said to live in and around areas of the East Coast forests of Canada the Great Plains region of the U.S., and the Great Lakes region of both the U.S. and Canada. The Winnebago is often depicted as either a spirit that possesses a human and turns them into a monstrous creature, or as a monster that has become human, or that has some human characteristics. The creature is known to invoke feelings of insatiable greed and hunger, while also having the desire to cannibalize humans. This creature is strongly associated with winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation in certain belief systems. In some lore, they are depicted as being giant, much larger than humans. The Algonquian describes the creature as a giant with a heart of ice. Sometimes it is thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed, with missing lips and toes. The Ojibwe describe it as, it was a large creature as tall as a tree, with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breast was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child that who ventured into its territory and those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the creature chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a creature himself, hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. The next part I'm about to read is a quote from Basil H. Johnston, an Ojibwe teacher and a scholar from Ontario, and it really shows just how terrifying this creature is. The creature was gone to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The creature looked like a gaunt skeleton, recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from superation of the flesh. The creature gave off a strained and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. End quote. It is said that a human would turn into this creature either if they consumed the flesh of another person or if they showed an excess amount of greed or gluttony. While having superhuman strength, speed, and other senses, this creature also retains the ability of human cognition and speech. It is also known to threaten and taunt those that it is hunting. In some legends, it did not rely on its speed or strength, but on its ability to mimic. 
using that to slowly wear down the person it was hunting to then, when the person could no longer take the insanity that they were experiencing, strike. Any time that this creature would eat a person, it was said to grow to equal the meal that it had to eventually reach sizes that humans could not even comprehend. In the show, there are a few differences compared to the Native American lore, namely that this creature appeared in Colorado instead of a more northern area of the country. The Colorado, New Mexico area is more where a skinwalker would reside, which is another creature from Navajo lore that many people confuse with the Winnebago. In the real lore, Silver is able to kill the creature if it is stabbed or shot in the heart with it. In the show, they use fire, which is still a way to kill this creature in the lore, as long as it is completely engulfed, which is what they did in the show. In the show, it showed that the creature would hunt during the day and in, at the night, as we saw when it had attacked the camp and Roy went chasing after it. In the real lore, this is not as true, as the creature much prefers hunting at night and would feed on its previous victims during the day. As someone who lives in the Great Lakes region near a lot of forests, I'm always on edge when I'm out at night with my dog, hoping that I don't have the feeling that I'm being watched. And like our first episode, we're now going to do our favorite part of quote of the episode. So like last time, we are going to both say our quote, and then if it's the same, we will both agree, be happy with each other. If it is not, we will fight with each other. And then we'll fist fight in a Walmart parking lot and film it for bonus content. <laughs> actually. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and then we will also post a poll on Twitter with our quotes along with maybe a few others from the show. And you guys can vote on which ones are your favorite. And if none of those are your favorite, feel free to put it in the comments as well. So with that, hey, I got to find the quote real quick. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's an obvious one this week, but. That is true. I do have a runner up <laughs> though because it is, it is funny. But yeah. Three, two, one. Saving, saving people, people hunting, hunting things. things the family business yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think we gotta give it to that one yeah just because it is such a big part of the show it literally follows all throughout 15 seasons but my other favorite quote from the show is sweetheart i don't do shorts when dean was talking to Haley about him being in biker boots and jeans in the forest <laughs> casually can you imagine though i it's funny because we only ever see them in like grungy jeans and flannels and jackets and stuff occasionally we'll get them in suits but like that's pretty much it like those are those are the two fits we got going on <laughs> that is true we'll have to we'll have to look be on the lookout and i'm sure in one of the 320 episodes they're not wearing just their basic stuff but i could be wrong Wait, even like, no. Even, like, to sleep, they barely wear anything else. Well, that's not true. Dean has hot dog pants. <laughs> okay, you're right. <laughs> I just remembered that. <laughs> oh, God. But before we wrap up on Supernatural's episode two, do you have any last comments you want to say? Mm, no, I think we covered it. All right. So now we're going to jump into episode three, Dead in the Water. Alright, episode 3, Dead in the Water. A water spirit takes revenge on a small town. Sam and Dean investigate a series of mysterious drownings written off as suicides. They discover the spirit is an angry little boy with the power to travel through water, who is taking revenge on certain town inhabitants for a dark secret buried long ago. Dean forms a bond with a young boy who seems to have the power of premonition. I don't know about you, but I am... This isn't one of my 
favorite episodes. It's just, it's kind of there for me. I agree. I think it, it follows the plot of a lot of, you know, small town, bad lake vibes. Like, it's, it's a trope in horror at this point. Like, we, we get, like, there's something in the water vibes, you know? <laughs> yeah. The one thing that I do like about it, though, is that they don't, they don't really solve it. The sheriff kind of does it on his own. Yeah, it's it's interesting, um, and I think it kind of goes with the same theme of unfinished business as far as the ghosts go, because, you know, with our woman in white, you know, she's reunited with the spirits of her kids, and then in this one, really, um, it, he's just seeking revenge, and once he's got it, you know, he's not going to kill anymore. Mm-hmm. Which kind of happens in a future episode, too, but I don't remember the specifics of that episode too much. I think I think the thing that I really like about this episode, like, it doesn't really have much to do with the plot. I think, like, it's the first time that we see kind of the softer side of Dean because, you know, he gives Sam a lot of tough love and he's just, like, kind of this hardened warrior, as we've talked about. And, like, we really get to see a softer side. Like, he... He first, obviously, like, he's he's a dog. He likes looking at pretty women. He first notices, you know, the, the pretty woman in town. But then when her son, Lucas... um forms a connection with Dean like we really get to see like him care about something which is really a first adorable because we don't see that often and like we'll see it later on when Dean interacts with other kids because Dean is really good with kids and yeah seeing Dean get to interact with kids is always a nice feeling because he does so well with them it's just wholesome and precious yeah it's one of my favorite things about the episode um I just, I really love it. I love it so much. <laughs> That's the redeeming factor for this episode is that Dean gets to interact with the child and be like that father figure, kind of. Yeah. And honestly, um, I, I mean, so for the plot of this, basically, there is, there's a rash of mysterious drownings in this, in this small Wisconsin town, um, and no one can figure out why they can't find the bodies. They've dragged the lakes um, afterwards and not been able to find, which in a small lake is really, really hard to imagine. You know, you can dredge up the whole lake pretty easily. So our boys, our boys, this is our first. The, the thing that I like about this episode, too, is this This is the first one where they actually are just scouting for um for um paranormal goings on like they find out about this case in a newspaper it's the first one not handed to them directly on a platter by john so the way this episode opened was uh with uh a family uh daughter and son and the father all just hanging out in their in their house and the daughter uh is getting ready to go out for her daily swim she was varsity she grew up swimming in that lake and she dived in uh, swam about, I think the guy said like 100 yards, 100 meters, and she just got pulled under, vanished, and that was when, that's how Dean and Sam found out about people going, disappearing in this lake was through their, her obituary, and her just being reported dead, because she got pushed off as a suicide, because she is such a strong swimmer, there's no way that she would have drowned on her own. Yeah, and, um, it's the third body this year that um, has mysteriously drowned slash gone missing in the lake. So that's how they know that something's up. So then we get to, you know, the boys roll into town like they do. 
and they show up at the sheriff's office, you know, and they they pretend to be uh, what are they? Wildlife? They're fish and wildlife people in this one. Yeah, they are. I wrote it down. They are wildlife services. Yeah, wildlife services. So they this is this is where we get the first of their like funny disguise names. So like throughout the entire series, we kind of get um, them you know, giving names of rock stars or pop culture icons or things like that as the names on their badges, which I don't know how they don't get caught more often than they do, to be honest. (laughs) But this episode, they pretend to be Agent Ford and Agent Hamill, which is to anyone that has been alive in the last 40 years is a pretty clear Star Wars reference because we got Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill as Luke and Han. So... Uh, it's a pretty good, good Easter egg we got going on there for their first, their first full-fledged disguise, I would say. And if anybody didn't catch that reference, you're not alone because I didn't get it, and then I got clowned on for it. I absolutely clowned on him when we were talking about it earlier. (laughs) (laughs) How can you not know Star Wars at this point? I mean, I know Star Wars, I just didn't catch the reference. (laughs) <laughs> it happens. We'll move on. Boo. Please flame him on Twitter for this. He deserves it. <laughs> just don't call um, FBN. Just, just don't call the <laughs> jail on me. Oh God. Um. So after that, you know, this is this is where we get introduced to kind of the I guess main main side characters of this episode we have uh, Andrea and um, her son Lucas um, who happens to be the daughter and grandson of the town sheriff Um, so they show up you know at the sheriff's office and that's how they meet the boys yeah and of course Dean Bean Dean starts hitting on her immediately obviously but they also then uh, ask her for directions to the hotel motel place that they're gonna stay at hotel motel holiday inn (laughs) and even though it was just a couple blocks away uh dean asks the woman to walk them there which like yeah because clearly he can't find his own way two blocks down the street yeah which like honestly should be a red flag for her because like two random guys just ask you to walk them to a place and like i'm surprised the sheriff didn't say anything about it she has no true crime spidey senses, that's no. all I'm going to say. Too much small town energy going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, I, I would have done the same if it was if it, they looked like Sam and Dean. Well, you're part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, she, she obliges, you know, um, takes them there. And on the way there, Dean is just like, I love kids. Wow. And she's just like, oh, you love kids? Oh, great. Um... Your pickup lines suck. And then Sam absolutely roasts Dean for it, too. He's like, do you even know three kids? Like, name them right now. <laughs> and Dean's just like, uh... So, yeah. <laughs> so, as we kind of move on, you know, the boys are investigating. They run into Andrew and Lucas again. And um, we kind of find out that Lucas hasn't talked since his dad passed away. And he's only been um, drawing these pictures and crayon, like, obsessively since then. He hasn't uttered a single word. Obviously, like, trauma manifests in a lot of ways, but as we find out, these these drawings have something a little bit more paranormal going on, perhaps with premonition. Lucas is um, kind of keyed into what is going on, and through his drawings, ends up giving the boys clues on what is happening and where to look. Yeah. 
Because the first drawing that they drew was... Was it the church in the house? When Dean, like, goes and, like, draws a picture of Mary and, and, like, his family, like, tells Lucas, like, what happened with his family. Yeah, so Dean has that moment where he connects with Lucas and, um... He he talks to him and says, like, watching one of your parents die isn't something you just get over, you know? Like, he understands where he's coming from. Yeah, and then shortly after that, we cut to another person getting murdered, and it is uh, the woman the, sis- the woman from the uh, very opening is her brother that then drowns in a sink because the water just fills up, turns into lake water, and he gets sucked in. Yeah, so it's not just you know, the lake, it's anything that's connected to the lake. It can uh, basically manifest through water. And we find out because of the people that it's targeting, that it's uh, targeting Bill Carlton, who is related to all of the um, recent drowning victims. Yeah, because he's the father of the two that had drowned, as well as the godfather, I believe, of Lucas's dad. Yep. Which is why it targeted him, unfortunately. He got kind of caught in the crossfire. Yeah, well, they all did. Well, yeah, it's not really their fault. Part of me wonders if it's if it was the ghost's intention to um, cause the people that actually did it uh, pain by killing their loved ones, or if they just couldn't get to them, so they lashed out at anyone That's uh, related to it. That's well... I, I don't know if that's it because, again, the water's connected to the whole town. So, like, he, they could have easily gotten them when, like, when they, they're showering or, again, just washing mm-hmm. dishes or something. So I think he, they, he wanted to cause them as much pain as uh, we later, we find out later on that the ghost mother had felt. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, we then go to, I believe, Andrea's house again. Or not again, but for the first time, Sam and Deke go there and... Dean talks to the uh, Lucas again, and Lucas draws him, eventually draws him this picture of a cathedral and a house to where we can then get our next clue of where to go next. Yeah, so there we find the boys go there and they talk to the current resident, which um, is the boy's mother, correct? Yes. Yeah, so um, Peter Sweeney is the boy in question. He had... um, accidentally passed away uh years and years ago and um no one knew what happened basically and we kind of see like that she has been grieving this whole time for her her little boy and then that's really the first inclination we have of who this spirit might be yeah this is what tells them that it's a vengeful spirit and that obviously something happened to him because otherwise this, he wouldn't be after revenge and stuff yeah, and like we don't know, we don't know what happened to him at this point, but it at least sets them on the right track to kind of look. Mm-hmm. And that's when we then jump back to uh, Sam and Dean driving over to Bill Carlton, and when they get there, he is already on his boat driving out into the middle of the lake to get killed by the spirit Peter. Yeah, it's um, it's clearly the same. It, it's the same conclusion that. Um, the sheriff comes to in the end of the episode, but essentially he is like, you are killing everybody that I love. I know that you just want me. And so he goes out into the lake. Um, and then after that happens, obviously Sam and Dean reported, they're like, uh, yeah, we just saw this happen. And, um, the sheriff is like, he does his whole get out of town speech, which is very sus coming from oh, yeah. somebody that has no idea what's going on. Um, yeah, it doesn't make him look suspicious to the boys at all. No, never. 
Um, but basically what happens next is another like really like kind of like heartfelt moment, at least for me in the show. Um, you know, Dean is driving They're They're on the way out of town and he just stops and he can't go further. Like he's like, I have to go back. And I think it's like, he has this innate, um, drive to protect Andrea and Lucas and, Luckily, he did because they, uh, he turns the car around despite, you know, the sheriff's threats to arrest them for impersonating officers or, you know, shoot them or, like, getting them out, just any way to get them out of town. Um, uh, luckily, he did. He killed before he could kill again. Yeah, exactly. So they turn around and they end up at Andrea and Lucas's house. Just in time. Because as they go to knock on the door, Lucas rips the door open and runs them up the stairs. Panic. Yeah, very panicked because his mom is drowning in a bathtub. And then we get this whole scene where, you know, Sam is Sam is trying to rip her out of the bathtub, but something is dragging her down. Like, it's, it's not a case of, you know, you just fall asleep in the bathtub and whatever. No, something is pulling her down and holding her underwater. Um, and Lucas is absolutely panicking and in the background, you know, you see like Dean, like kind of like holding Lucas back while Sam tries to get her out of the bathtub. And luckily they arrived just in time to save her from drowning. Uh, when she was in the bathtub, she had heard a voice that said, come play with me, which is so creepy. Oh God. I, I like, I, like we said in the last episode, anything with kids is so creepy. <sighs> absolutely not. I'm surprised <laughs> that they didn't do anything with black eyed children. Granted, they had changelings, which are, I think, some people say are similar. Yeah, they're they're pretty similar. But, yeah, creepy. I hate it. After everything kind of uh, slows down, they're all safe and alive, Lucas leads the boys outside to a place in the yard, um, and Dean and Sam uncover this red bike that used to be Peter Sweeney's. Which is something that uh, Lucas had been drawing for the past couple of days and or weeks. Yeah, so they were able to put two and two together and realize, okay, somebody covered up a death here. And then the sheriff kind of outed himself when he showed up holding a gun, yelling at the boys, saying, like, I told you to get out of here. So, like, clearly he's innocent, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, he's absolutely just incensed that the boys are still poking around because he is uh, feeling this guilt still over some over covering this up as a child basically and the only reason he admitted to it was because andrea came down like what the heck are you doing why are you waiting a gun at this guy they just saved my life and then she's like then the boys i think the boys tell her like well he killed this kid and she's like you didn't actually do it did you and he remained silent which is basically an admission of guilt right now yeah and then we kind of get you know the 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 climax of the show, Lucas Lucas wanders out towards the lake um, at the end of the dock, and uh, something grabs him and pulls him under. Oh, yeah, because he's trying to grab his little army toy that would have fallen, fallen into the water. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, something, something reaches out of the water and grabs him, and immediately Sam and Dean jump in the water trying to get him, but they're searching and they're searching and they can't find him. And then as... Uh, the boys are in the water searching. We see the sheriff wade wade into the water, be like, trying to apologize and be like, "Take me, don't don't hurt Lucas. This is my fault, not his. Leave him out of this." Yeah, he's he's basically begging to trade his life for his grandson's life. Like, I did this. I'm sorry. I should not have done it. You know. And luckily, the 
the ghost of Peter Sweeney obliges, um, not luckily for the sheriff, but luckily for Lucas. Um, and his uh, unfinished business is kind of completed. He's gotten his revenge on the two boys that had killed him back in the day. And, you know, it comes out that they, they had bullied him um, and they had accidentally killed him um, by holding him underwater for too long. It was, you know, it started as harmless bullying and then just escalated to the point where, uh, unfortunately, he passed away and they ended up doing the wrong thing and covering it up. And they let the body go into the water so he was never found. But something that was cool, like, that, not, not cool, but, like, graphically cool, like, uh, show-wise, um, before, uh, the sheriff had uh, sacrifice himself, uh, we get to see the head of the boy just sticking out of the water, just the ghost version of him that looked almost like a sea creature type thing. It was really cool, like, uh... Creepy! Yeah. I thought that was really cool how they, uh, made that outfit, and well, not outfit, but for, like, makeup or special effects or however they did it. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the end of the action there, but then, you know... We ha- we get our we get our classic send off where um we have you know the boys packing up their car and whatever and um Andrew and Lucas come up to see them off um and they'd brought them snacks that Lucas had insisted on um, making himself uh, for the car ride as thank you um and I think we get we get like a really good scene here with Dean and Lucas again like. Dean, Dean is basically like, okay, remember, remember, Zeppelin rules, and it's just, it's adorable, like, you see him, like, connect with Lucas, like, and Lucas is talking again, so, like, his kind of, obviously, you don't get over a traumatic experience like that, but it's very clear, you know, that they have done some good here. Sorry, Oliver just was groaning. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's really funny, too, because basically, like, they express they express like their gratitude and Andrea says like you know dad dad loved Lucas dad loved me I'm just going to try to remember that like and obviously that doesn't cancel out the horrible things that happen but it's a good um mantra for them to have and move on and um she ends up like thanking Dean by kissing him goodbye and I think the funniest part is that Dean is like immediately like let's go Sam like let's get in the- <laughs> let's get in the car I can't handle real human emotion <laughs> yeah Dean will run at any side of that for now or he will shut <laughs> He'll tuck down his tail yep he has no idea how to respond to it but yeah that's that's the episode All right, so digging into the lore, um, we're a little bit light on specific lore with this episode. A ghost is a ghost is a ghost is a ghost, right? Um, so we'll we'll touch on ghosts a lot throughout the duration of the series, um, but especially in the early seasons, supernatural itself wavers on the lore. Um, later on, we skip straight to like salting and burning the bones or possessions of the deceased. Um, but in these early seasons, it seems to be centered more around unfinished business for these ghosts. Similar to how the woman in white in the first episode uh, sees her hauntings after being forcefully reunited with her children, our spirit in this episode, Peter Sweeney, um, ends his killing spree after getting revenge on the two that drowned him as a child. Um, unfortunately, innocent loved ones got in the way as part of their, uh, as part of their punishment. Ghosts have long been rumored to get upset when changes to their usual haunts occur, 
From a house remodel to a disturbed burial site, change is believed to make spirits restless or angry. As we see in this episode, the ghost of Peter Sweeney is running out of time to communicate with the lake slowly draining. It's noted that because of this, the tempo of the drownings has picked up dramatically. So that's why we see, you know, a few drownings here and there uh, throughout the years since his uh, death and disappearance um, versus the three in this past year that happened. And ultimately more than that after the boys arrive in town. Um, Entities seeking revenge are also super, super common in lore. Ghosts haunting their murderers and sending them into madness, uh, a la the Telltale Heart kind of vibes. Um, ghosts enacting the same punishments they received on people, and even ghosts helping to get their murderers arrested. And uh, this is not a joke. This has actually happened in the United States. Um, the most famous instance is the Greenbrier ghost, or the case of Zona Hester Shue. Uh, Zona's untimely death in 1897 was first believed to be a natural one, and she was buried without question. That was until her spirit began appearing to her mother, um, accusing her husband of murder. This supernatural evidence was used to request the court to exhume her body. When an autopsy was performed, they found evidence that Zona was indeed killed in the manner alleged by her spirit. Edward, her husband, was found guilty of murder and sentenced to serve time in state prison until he died in 1900. Nobody came to claim his body. Rest in distress, buddy. Um, <laughs> it only makes sense that this idea of justice from beyond the grave would permeate pop culture like supernatural. And speaking of pop culture, uh, really when I was watching this back, the story of episode 3 reminded me of Jason from Friday the 13th. You know Jason, the one with the creepy hockey mask and the stabby stabs? Yeah, him. <laughs> um, the origin story is really similar. Um, young Jason was dragged along to Camp Crystal Lake with his mother, who was an employee there. Jason was a bit different than the other kids, and he was pretty merc mercilessly bullied. The bullying came to a head when he was tossed in the water by the other kids. And the kids didn't necessarily mean to kill him, but Jason couldn't swim. His drowning was blamed on careless camp counselors who had shirked lifeguard duty to go off and fool around. Um, remember, the number one rule of horror movies is don't have sex, okay? Remember that. <laughs> um, seeking revenge, uh, his mother, and then later Jason himself would go on to murder countless teens over the duration of the franchise. I couldn't help but notice the parallels in the third episode. You know, Peter Sweeney mercilessly bullied by his peers, ultimately ending in his accidental drowning. It's basically the same exact story, um, you know. Like Jason, he seeks his revenge on those that were involved, lashing out at their families via the power of the lake. This episode really, really does feel like it's trying to pay homage to, you know, this absolutely classic 80s horror slasher film. Alright, so on to one of my favorite parts of the episode, where we talk about our favorite quotes. Um... This one, perhaps not as quotable as the first two, where we got some really, really iconic lines to the series, but I think there were some good ones nonetheless. Yeah, Alright, so Kyle, too. are you ready? I am ready. Three, two, one. Zeppelin, Zeppelin rules. rules. <laughs> Hell yeah. I absolutely loved this quote. You know, it was really just such a pure moment between Dean and Lucas, and I, uh, I love it. The reason that I like this quote is because, uh... Later we'll find out about the mixtape that gets made for a certain special somebody, but I have a little keychain that just said Zep Track, which Zeppelin, I don't know, I, just, I like that because of that. 
Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely iconic to this series. And, you know, as as I said, like I was a kid that was raised on Led Zeppelin and my dad's my dad's music, which is the same as, you know, Dean's music that he loves. So I love it. And even though we had the same quote, we are still going to post a poll on Twitter of a few different select quotes from the show and have you guys do get out in the comments or in the poll and we will post the winner on Twitter. Well, yeah. the winning quote. I just want to shout out my honorable mention, which is when uh, they're digging up the bike and they say, nothing stays buried. Ah, so, that was like, also mine. Yeah, it's such a good one. Um, they... It, it it really just show goes to show like, you know, you can't cover it up. Either the guilt will kill you or the ghosts will. <laughs> yeah, and I guess there is another one that I liked. Uh, Sam said people don't disappear. People don't just disappear, Dean. Other people just stop looking for them, which is so true, especially like so in crime. So heartbreaking. And yeah, it it does really pull on your heartstrings too. Yeah, it's so heartbreaking. Alright, but with that, do you have anything left to say on episode 3 of Supernatural? Nope. Alright, well this has been episode 2 of The Empty, and we hope you have enjoyed reminiscing as much as we have. If you want to stay up to date with our quest to rewatch all 320 episodes of Supernatural, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Empty SPN. That's The Empty SPN. Episodes of The Empty will be released every Monday, so check back in next week where we'll be covering episodes 4 and 5 of season 1. We hope we can make your Mondays a little less empty. Bye! Bye, everyone! That is... er... 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 prerogative. <laughs> I ain't scared. We hope you can make... wow, motherfucker, okay. <laughs> Dicks. Anyways...